When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, No Bad Dog Army. Welcome back to the No Bad Dogs podcast. This is a a credible podcast uh, with some dog owners working on dogs not getting along in the house, which I know a lot of you guys probably have issues with. I know your clients have issues with it. Um, But this isn't just that. This is if anybody's having behavioral problems with their dog, this is just a reminder and refresher of these are the things that you have to do in order to tackle any behavioral problem with your dog. And that's what we're going to go over in this podcast and really helping these guys walk them through. And at the end of the podcast, there's a perfect example. We talked for the entire hour of like, this is what you need to do. These are why these things happening. And at the very end, before we hung up, it immediately set into place. I'm like, bingo, that's the problem. Um, because the Amazon driver came and it played out perfect. So I know you guys are going to enjoy this podcast, regardless of if you have one, two, 10 dogs in the house, or if you're having any behavioral problems with your dog, this is going to be incredible for you to listen to. Um, do me a solid favor. If you guys are listening to this, we put a lot of work and time into this absolutely for free. Leave us a review. I would really sincerely appreciate it. Um, if you just head over to the iTunes review chart or in the Spotify review chart, just leave us a review. If you're listening to this and it brings you value, we really appreciate it. Um, and at the end of the podcast, I'm going to be answering three of your dog training questions as well. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Hello. Hey, Anna. Hey, Hey. how are you? Good. How you doing? I'm doing okay. Good. Good. Did you want to uh, chat on the phone or FaceTime? It's, it's, I have my iPad ready. If you wanted to FaceTime, I can send it there. Sure. Yeah. I can, um, I didn't know if you wanted to see any of the dog. I know it's, you said you didn't need to, but yeah. Yeah. It's up to you. Whatever you want to do. You want me to FaceTime? Yeah. Yeah. Let's FaceTime. 
pick. Oh, let me turn it then. Oh, I'll go this way. Sorry. Okay. Oh, no. okay. You stay that way. <laughs> you stay that way. I'm gonna go this way. Okay. There. So. so let's go. Uh, I'll try to get on? a little closer to us. Um. All right. Let me turn my volume up too, sir. Sure. There we go. All right. Now we're good. Is mine doing giving you a bad signal or? No, I can see you fine. Oh, okay. Well, I can't see you, but that's okay. Um, I guess. I'm not sure. Oh, there you go. I got you now. Uh, so you're on speaker, and you have Janice, my girlfriend, and I here um, because of our issues. Um, so where do you want us to start? Uh, anywhere. It doesn't matter. To okay. Me. Yeah. Uh, so we have three ducks. Um, all are different ages. We have a six-year-old confident female. We have a five-year-old anxious male, and we have a two-year-old male who is now becoming attacking and, and I'd say reactive towards our five-year-old male um, in the past couple of months. Okay. Um, mostly, um, mostly when our eyes are just off them, but we're in the same room. Uh, so much that we've had to separate them. And this is very new behaviors for our our two-year-old. Um, so much that we are terrified to both have them all together without us both being there. Um, so what we're kind of looking for is help to be able to integrate them. Because right now we're our house is separated by gates. And the older dogs are upstairs. And little man, well... He's 70 pounds, but he's down here with us, the young one. So all dogs are between 65-ish and 70 pounds, 60 to 70 pounds. So all three of them are, are, are fairly decent for two smaller females uh, when there is a, um, you know, when there is an issue going on. Okay. So is the, is the two-year-old, what, what? Is he intact? No. Uh, he was neutered about in September of last year. So September okay. of 22, he was he was neutered. Um, and... Go ahead. Oh, no. I was just... <laughs> I was just going to say, and it, after he was neutered and healed and everything, we did have a relative bring their new dog over. And we've never had issues with, in, like dogs in our yard um playing all three of them playing together because the older two um the older two are fine uh with other dogs but he went after that female she was a, a very nervous uh six-month-old female who was in still intact um and he went after her so much that we had to basket muzzle him and we couldn't even con continue them even playing like we the relative was going to stay at our house but the the plans changed and the relative ended up taking her dog to a different location because it just it wasn't a safe situation and he wasn't that's the only time he's ever not let up and we haven't been able to call him off that was like the very first time okay <clears throat> but it sounds like he has a history of being pushy like that though yeah that was I, the first time we saw it yeah ever um, I mean, he's as a puppy. Anytime you 
took something away from him that he wanted, he'd get a little like chihuahua ankle bitery to you. Um, or if he tried to pick him up and move him when he wanted to do something. Um, but nothing to the point where he ever punctured, bit us, or. Right. Um, but it was, you know, he was as a puppy, as we could start picking him up when he was, you know, in that 20 pound range where he was still, you know, something you could physically pick up and move if, if he wasn't listening. He was the ah, rah, 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 like chihuahua type. Yeah, when he was younger, though, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I and mean, that was when we first got him. And what's your, what's your, what's the breed of the dog? He is what they think is a St. Bernard mix. We did do um, the the wisdom, wisdom panel for all three dogs. Mm-hmm. He did not come back as a St. Bernard, but he looks like a St. Bernard. Okay. Um, he came back as Pit, Pit Bull, Boxer, and Beagle. Okay. Um, <clears throat> okay, so right now, what's your two-year-old's name? What's that? I'm sorry. What's the two-year-old's name? You're breaking uh elliot elliot so so okay so now the the problem is is you have elliot who is now fighting with uh your other male yeah yes okay but it's not it's not constant either like he will he will stay with him like he like will sleep on him he loves to be around him he just wants to continuously play with him avery is the five-year-old and now Avery has become extremely fearful of, of Elliot. They can still be in the same room together. It's not that crazy, but we're being, you know, really paying attention to the way they look at each other. And mm. we can kind of see like the, like the whale eyes or whatever sometimes happening. And we just kind of have to snap and just be like, all right, come on, we're not doing that right now type of thing. Okay. Um, and okay. So they, so they play really well. It's not consistent with the, I guess the bullying and they play really well right now. Um, when Elliot does go after Avery, what does that look like? Is it like, what does that look like? He corners them. So we have noticed it to be typically we're starting to see their catalysts, um, either them sniffing the same area of the ground floor outside, um, or, Avery being a little cautious and again, doing the whale eyes and spinning nervous, like showing the anxiousness, like, please don't attack me. Um, Elliot typically will get him and get him into a corner and Avery does like fight back. They, they snap back at each other. Um, They do get mouths on each other, but have had no uh, flesh wounds that have required any medical attention. So we, but we've had to like pry them and I've had to pry Elliot's mouth off of Avery's, uh, the rough of his neck. So Avery's had some scratches, but Elliot bullies him basically into a corner of a room, the kitchen, like this room, the kitchen, the living room upstairs, you know, he, he gets him where I think what we've kind of noticed is Avery does one of these and he's just at him uh, all over him and he, they bark. like they both bark at each other so it's to each other so for us it's scary because we've never had this happen with any other of you know any other animals like and we've had a dog before elliot we had a third dog who passed away um and he was our alpha who ended up paralyzed in a wheelchair and and everybody the other dogs just kind of knew jack was the boss and then jack passed away a couple months later we ended up with elliot to put three back in the mix 
And this is where the it's thrown the dynamics completely off. So right now he's he's when uh, so it's not like attacking. It's more like picking on Avery. It sounds like. Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's 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 picking on. It's bullying. Okay. Okay. So a couple things I would do is uh, whenever there's like a really submissive dog within the group or same thing with people. I um, mean, you look at like uh, middle school, right? It's the same thing with people. Like you just get somebody that's just like, don't look at me. What, what did I do? Am I in trouble? And it's like that they become a target sometimes, especially for like other dogs who are being bullies. So in these cases, it's best for, you guys to advocate for obviously the the dog which i know that you do but it, here's the way i'm looking i just want to play out and talk out the way that i'm hearing this and make sure that i'm on the same page so elliot's the two-year-old and then avery's the five-year-old that we're really talking about and i know you have a six-year-old too but the five-year-old is a anxious male avery that is submissive and kind of like, oh, don't look at me, wayline, like, are you going to hurt me? And then Elliot right now is kind of yep. picking on that, kind of exploiting that, like, yeah. Okay. But we're Avery's not. Avery's being the victim, playing the victim. Right, right. And we're not, when we are getting physical, we'll say, with the dog, with the, with the two dogs, we're not fighting or anything. We're just like, kind of, the way that I'm envisioning this is like how my dog chases my cat. We're like, she'll just corner my cat. My cat will sit there and go, get out of here. And then my cat will run away. And then my dog chases the cat. It's just kind of cat and mouse game. Uh, but we're not like, we're not actually fighting. We're just, right now, we're just pushing, it sounds like. He's, I mean, it's, it's, it's escalating. Loud barking, it's... Yeah, it, it started like that. Where, but at this point, Avery doesn't run away. So without us intervening we don't know if there would be um them separating and getting over it or if elliot will continue until um until we stop it uh what i will say is when we do get him separated and he under like and and he's off of avery he will put himself in a corner and have the most remorseful like cowered down and he will just literally stay tail in the corner tail between his legs and in in all honesty um elliot our two-year-old is the smartest most responsive dog to us um he's it, and it sounds weird but he's almost the most well-behaved that in the in every other instance you can call him off and he will do what you want um, so yeah, so you are on the right track. It's just, there is becoming more physical and it's escalating to, you know, each time is getting, it's like Elliot's pushing the limits. Mm -hmm. You know, at first it was the, the pushing, then it started like the face and then it got into like the last time he had his neck in his mouth and Elliot had Avery's rough of his neck in his mouth. Okay. So it, it, it has escalated a little bit more. Again, no puncture, like no puncture that required any medical attention. I think Avery did have a scratch somewhere on his nose and his ear, um, or I'm sorry, on, like under his ear, but but nothing. Again, no open flesh wounds or flapping skin or torn ears. 
So do you feel like it's so right now it's there's they're just it sounds like they're just roughhouse playing to me. Um, that's just from what I'm hearing is like Elliot's pinning Avery and there's you know barking and and all that stuff and it sounds like the dog is just picking on Avery because if we're not if we're not actually like drawing blood or fighting or anything like that that's what that is and we see a ton of that in daycare and in other places that doesn't mean it can't turn into something more violent I guess because right now it just sounds like it it just sounds like Elliot's taking advantage over Avery's calm passive submissive behavior and that's that's what i'm hearing here is i'm hearing just yeah. a, that, that, that that that's what's happening is i'm hearing just a basically a dog that's getting picked on in my experience right so um what are you guys doing when this happens <laughs> screaming <laughs> screaming because it's scary for us and obviously we don't want um it to escalate into any flesh wounds um we try to separate them uh one of our friends who had two pit bulls said you know anytime her dogs fight she picks up their back leg and when you pick up like the dog by their hind end uh you know they would let go um it's unfortunate but they're usually in a position that we aren't able to even do that to both of them because they're somewhere in a corner or they've wedged themselves somewhere um so it's most of us screaming and then trying to pry them apart um, so that we, you know, we can de-escalate it and then we separate them. Um, you know, we put usually, you know, we have a, a raised ranch here. So we, we put one downstairs and one stays downstairs and then upstairs is typically Avery stays with our five, uh, six-year-old female Roz and then Elliot, the two-year-old is the one that gets put by himself. He, um, the attacks that have happened, um, there, there is usually some sort of catalyst that provokes it. Um, the mo one that was bad, you know, a couple of weeks ago, he, um, Avery and Elliot were looking out the window down here. One was at the door. One was at the window. I was bringing garbage out. A neighbor came out the door, and this is another issue that we have, that if we have time to talk about, is the barking out the window that drives us bonkers. But they barked at our neighbor who went to take his trash out. As I was walking in, because Elliot had barked, he had gagged a little bit and retched. And he, you know, he put his head down like he was going to just cough something up. Avery went to smell the floor, and hell broke loose. And he put Avery in the corner of this room right here. And again, that was one situation. Um, the other situation, the past two, because they've been pretty much separated now, uh, for most of the day until we could figure out and talk to, you know, somebody or you primarily, um, we were upstairs and it, uh, Janice was in the room and Avery was circling on a bed and to sit and sat down. And that's when Elliot attacked. What we found was there was a ball under the bed. So it's almost like he's becoming possessive, like resource guarding of his toys and things that are his also. And Avery happened to be circling. Now, do we know that for sure? We just found this green ball that he, you know, he had played with that morning under the bed or under that dog bed. So 
don't know if he remembered it. Again, he's our smartest dog. <laughs> so so it's a speculation and it's a lot of us doing like, well, was it this and what is it this? And that's why we're, we're just reaching out to you for, for any advice that we can get on integrating them to be harmonious as much as we can as opposed to separating them. Yeah, <clears throat> no, sure. That makes sense. I'm just, I think I'm at a, I think I, I would say that it's, it's, it's exactly what I was saying earlier is I think that Elliot's just picking on Avery and it, I'm not saying it can't ever turn bad, but I feel like if it was going to turn bad for worse, it would have already happened. Um, only because of Avery's submissiveness or Avery every time just kind of like folds. So it's not good by any means. I'm just, I just want to clarify for you guys a little bit of like what I'm, what I'm thinking, especially with my experience, because this is something that a lot of people, as far as dogs interacting with one another, that they would be really happy with because most dogs are trying to kill each other and there is blood and there's surgeries and there's sutras and there's scars and there's bites and it's nasty. So I just want to give you the devil's advocate of the glass being half full a little bit on your end, just knowing that Elliot is picking on Avery and it's not fun and it's not appropriate and we, we want it to stop. I just want to give you perspective of how it could be only because when we have dogs that are not getting along in a household, they'd give anything for their dogs to bark at each other and not actually try to kill each other and shake each other around like rag dolls. So, okay. uh, I completely understand. And that gives us a peace of mind. It really does. Hearing it come from you and people have said that in the past, um, the rescue we got, because they're all rescue dogs. They, and all three came from the same rescue. Actually, Elliot and Avery were both born in the rescue. So the mom was a pregnant surrender that they found and both were, were born in rescue. Um, so we know the parents. Uh, we, my sister actually has Elliot's brother um, in Cahos. So, so it's, it's, you know, we, have, we know the mom and we know the family members. Um, Avery's brother, we know, we're friends with, you know, with the, the parents that adopted his brother. Um, so it's kind of like behaviors. We sometimes can compare them. But my sister doesn't have another dog to to say, well, is he playing dominant? Is he doing this? Um, you know, um, one thing that I did forget to to throw in the mix is we're also battling um, some stomach issues with Elliot because we think it's a food thing. Um, and my sister's dog went through it, too, but they put him on lamb and he loves lamb. We have been going through with our vet and Greenbush for probably since February, trying to figure out why he keeps vomiting in the middle of the night. Actually, it started in November. He was vomiting in the middle of the night bile. So we started giving him snacks throughout the day. Um, and it still continued. We tried the food different. I think the poodle's going to walk by. Um, we tried different, you know, we've been doing the trial of different uh, proteins with, with him. And he goes into mode where he doesn't like it, so he won't eat, where he's the dog that needs to eat because he throws up bile. Um, so we've been, I mean, we've done two whole blood works between February and Mar- and May to compare. We just had an ultrasound last week to see if there is anything going on there. And the vet is kind of stumped. Um, so our next thing is now we're trying another food and we're doing salmon. So he does get a little more... Um, 
kind of jerkish. He's kind of like non-tolerant when he doesn't feel well. So that's another thing that we have to like kind of keep an eye on is, okay, how's his stomach? You know, and it's all based on what his poop looks like. You know, we kind of can tell or if he has a lot of gas, you know, what's going on with, with him. So that's just one more thing to add to Elliot going in the mix. But <laughs> what I think our, our, I guess what our question for you is like with Avery and him being the submissive anxious and his anxious comes from our neighbors down the street who threw M80s out the window when he was 10 months old. So he has a noise anxiousness. He can't walk. I can't walk him. I can't get out of my driveway. If somebody closes their car door, he will literally cower, cry and lay down until I bring him inside. Um, so he has a noise anxiousness of car doors, thunder, fireworks. I mean, everything, um, everything and anything that is noise um, is Avery. If I could pay to have eardrums taken out, I would. Yeah. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. But but I feel so bad for him because he does. He gets so incredibly scared. Um, you know, he used to love the winter until he realized plows make noise when they come up and down the street. So now when it snows, he starts crying because he knows that plows are going to come. Um, so that the anxiousness on Avery is, is an issue. If, if you're saying he's like Elliot's picking on Avery because he is the submissive anxious, like Avery's like this all the time. What can we do to, to kind of change that dynamics for them? Yeah. Well, things that you can do, um, is, is obviously like you, you have to play parent in this situation, which I know that you are, but just, just correcting Elliot for going after Avery in a way that makes sense. Because I, I just don't, there, your, your ultimate goal would, would be to, sorry, there's a, my, my lawnmower guy likes to come every time That's I okay. talk on the phone. So I apologize <laughs> if you hear that no worries. going on. Um, I would just say that our ultimate goal is to is to obviously help their relationship and and really structure their relationship in a way where this doesn't happen at all. Just like when we have a dog that has a behavioral issue or maybe let's say reactivity issue, we want to help the dog um, emotionally get over uh, you know what they're dealing with and how they're dealing with things. And but but sometimes that's not realistic because they're never that's their personality. So behavior and personality are. Uh, kind of like cousins they're they're in the same boat but they're a little bit different um in my experience anyway so you know a dog's personality is like if you're if you were born and your mom and dad are both seven feet tall chances are you're gonna be tall right so it, but that doesn't mean that you have to like all the same food or it doesn't mean you have to like all the same things right so it, we talk about genetics and we talk about the behavior of elliot and avery and avery obviously is a naturally kind of born anxious dog has been for a while now you know even to a point where the snow plows and stuff so obviously just a more nervous dog so and then Elliot's just gonna boss and push that around especially if there's not somebody keeping Elliot in check anymore right because that's always a big thing um and and impact dynamic matters a ton and I and I I went through it uh this last couple years of my dogs is Lakota, my shepherd now, she was, she's my only dog now and she's never been an only dog and she's a mess. Um, 
she, she's a mess compared to where she was. Like she just doesn't, she doesn't know what to do literally all day long. All she would used to do is check in with dogs. Right. So I'm just saying this because I know that you're kind of your head of the household, if you will, had passed. And I think that kind of opens up doors and windows for other dogs to start being pushy and being, Hey, I'll, I'll, I'm going to pick on people. Or, and if it's not even, I've even seen it where even if Elliot wasn't around when that dog was around dogs like Avery, who may have been around, at that time or more at that time will get more insecure because that person is and that's how look my dog is my dog never in her life <laughs> would be afraid of fireworks or thunder when my other two dogs were alive as soon as they passed away she started like getting really bad insecurities with things that she never did because those those dogs weren't there to help guide through these scary times so i'm just saying I, i've seen it personally but i've also seen it where dogs can become opportunistic, right? So Elliot's now going to be like, oh, this is my chance to be a jerk without getting into real trouble. So I'm just kind of throwing things out there. But to me, like I said before, um, it sounds it sounds like Elliot is picking on Avery and because of Avery's submissive behavior. Again, it's, kids do it all the time to shy kids. And it's just, it's a, it's just the world that we live in, unfortunately. Just some people get picked on and... Um, so you, so you guys can just, um, advocate for, for things like this. And there's two things is I would want this, this relationship between the two dogs to get better. I want, I would want that to get more, uh, to get better, to get stronger, to get healthier. And some of the things that you can do for that is just doing a lot of pack work with them out for, um, walks out for, um, training, so getting them, so you don't want to just say, "Hey, look at each other and play." Like that's not going to happen. What you want to do is go out and be constructive with the dogs. So go out and do stuff together. That's the that's what I would do. Is I would just get Avery and Elliot, and then maybe the other dog too. To just you just want to do more things together. So more walks, um, more training, more structure. Just giving them constructive things to do with one another with you guys would be really helpful just because it's like uh, team building kind of if you will like that that's what it's like it's just like team building is you want to go out and give the dog something to do constructively like hey let's build this house instead of sit around and like look at each other because then that's where mistakes are going to happen that's where Elliot's just going to take advantage over Avery and do it so what I would be doing is working on a place stay with Elliot and then healing around with Avery and then working on a place with Avery and then healing around with Elliot and keeping them on their toes to say what you want to do is you want to take the tension uh, between them off by you being the pinnacle of focus so you're the one that they should be listening to but I find that again like with humans and, and specifically with kids and in this case, dogs, once they get bored and they're kind of like, hmm, okay, I got nothing else to do, then they get into trouble. Then they start picking and, and prodding. And so those are the things that I would be doing is is really setting up a relationship where they're not even going to look at each other because they're so focused on you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Is that – now, is that a treat-driven – like – a treat driven experiences where it's healing versus like it could be any when you do that and then the other heals. Yeah. It could be anything you want it to be. Um, a treat is just a reward and that comes like whatever, you know, that comes with like whatever you're doing. I wouldn't, um, I would just be focusing on your training more than 
anything else. So again, like if I had Avery and Elliot uh, separate, I would I would be working on the place downstay, place downstay, place downstay with Avery, and then same thing with Elliot, so they get it, and then I would start combining them together to work them together. And um, that's just going to keep them in line. That's just going to keep them in structure. But right now, if they're just running around the house with ADD trying to figure out what to do next, that's where things are going to happen. There's there's nothing else to do. They're bored. So I would be restructuring their relationship with basic obedience to keep them in line with you and what you're doing. Um, and that's how I would that's how I would start that. Is just keep them in check because right now they're getting bored they're getting away with stuff maybe it's maybe they're unsure of who's in charge you know I always I grew up with a brother and a sister out in the middle and I always tell people that if your dogs are punching each other in the face while you're in the room that also kind of lends to your relationship with your dogs as well you know like if I if my brother were haul up and try to beat me up in front of my parents that just kind of tells you the relationship and the respect that he has or I have towards them. Like, I don't care that they're there, right? It, you know, it's like somebody going off and just committing a crime right in front of a cop. They don't have any, they don't care. You know what I mean? It's just blatant, like, disrespect. And, and you know what I mean? To yeah. I'm just kind of throwing an idea out there. So I just think that that also lends to that too, is when I see dogs blatantly, like, blow off their owners or act like they're not there, that's also a very clear sign to me that something could be, going on with your relationship too like why do they feel comfortable enough to pick on each other right in front of us without any hesitation or filter so so in terms of like how we've been handling it right now you know we have them separated elliot's down here as neighbor upstairs and we have gates you know gates at the bottom and top of the stairs and we have a gated kitchen just because kitchen had become a trigger food Mm -hmm. had been you know a trigger where he was a bigger bully where in that those area. Um, how you, do you have any suggestions on like integrating them? Um, should we only do it for a little bit during the day? Because right now we've been just literally doing a rotation swap where, you know, I have Elliot. We both work from home. My office is down here. Janice's office is upstairs. So we've been doing like the swap of dogs and just doing the constant rotation of she gets the two i have elliot and then we swap um, through the outside so they have no interaction because we're working during the day and we can't truly always have both eyes on on them you know there's times where uh you know you know we're working um so we we don't want to him to bully behind our backs where we can't step in and and redirect them or see it coming on and redirect them as we see him posturing or wailing whatever um, do you have any suggestions or, or advice on at this point, you know, the way with our lifestyle here, how we can start this so that we can get them both into a training mode separately so that we can put them back into the training mode together um, during that time? Are, are we doing something wrong by keeping them apart while we're unable to watch them with our close eye, but not keeping them always in the same, because I don't want him to get territorial up down here, them to get, so that's why we're doing the constant rotation. Yeah. Yeah, You're just randomizing where they're being put and that's fine. And and I would just say like, 
I think it's fine to keep them separated while you guys are working and while your focus is on something else. That's what anybody would do with any dog that was potentially going to get in trouble. Puppies, friendly dogs, happy dogs. Um, even if you had two dogs that like ruin the house playing so hard, like you'd still do the same thing. Okay. This is, this is too much. So, so the answer is, you know, that that's yes. I mean, that's fine that you guys do that. But I think also you have to look at like, from my perspective, and this is, you know, my job is to say like, okay, this is a behavioral problem that is occurring off leash. So then the next thing in the next occurrence would be like, what, you know, how good is your, how good is your off leash control? How good is your off leash obedience? And so that's the other thing as well is you just have to really audit like how good your control is because at the end of the day, if your if your obedience was a three out of three with Elliot, you wouldn't be having nearly as many issues because you'd say, Elliot, come. Okay. And he'd come, you know, he'd be picking on somebody else um, and you'd tell him to come and he would have to come. Or you'd say, Elliot, go to your bed. You'd basically go to timeout for a little bit and relax, like cool your jets. And you know, Avery's going to ignore him anyway. So those are the other things too. And it's the same thing with barking out the windows and stuff is like, you have a problem that is, it yields a, you have a level three problem, right? So you have a high, high distracting, high uh, problem here going on. This is a, this is a problem, right? And then what you have to do is you have to, you really audit like where your obedience is, right? So it's kind of like if you were to show up to literally anything in the world, sports, right? Chess, volleyball, basketball, baseball, golf, wrestling, MMA, whatever you showed up and you're like, Hey, I'm going to get into the pro league, even though I just started and you go, go in there and you get your butt whooped. It's like, yeah, you weren't prepared for that. And that's what a lot of dog owners do is and I want you to see this perspective as well, because I think it's helpful, is you are dealing like your obedience has to be high level to combat the problems or the potential problems in the future that you're having, because your dog is going to be off leash in your home, making good and bad decisions. And your objective and goal is to be able to control that dog um, the best you can. Uh, right. So like, again, if Elliot's over there picking on Avery, if your recall was good, you can diffuse that in a second, like literally one second. And same thing, like once he gets worked up enough to really continue to pick on Avery and backs him into a corner, like that's where you guys are at. You guys are. So you got to look at this relationship. If you guys are yelling and screaming and grabbing, it's making the situation worse, but it's also really laying out and rolling out for the dogs like they, you don't want to do that. You want to be like, you want to be a good parent and a good manager and a good boss. Like when shit hits the fan, if you're running around with your head cut off, they're all going to look at you and go like, well, okay, well, who's in charge then what's going on. Right. And so you want to be more assertive. You want to be more calm. You want to be more, um, clear. And so those are just things that I think will be really helpful moving forward with, what you're doing. And I want you to look at that perspective is right now you'll have to keep, if you were to combine them together, you'd have to keep Elliot on a leash or at least watch him, you know, once he starts to pick on Avery, because I think a couple corrections from you guys as well would be really helpful to this because he's just picking and pushing and all that stuff. And and I think if you just corrected him and say, Hey man, quit the shit, not, quit picking on, quit picking on everybody, get out of here. I think that that would be really helpful as well, because right now, basically what's happening is, is we're warning with verbals likely. So Elliot, 
no, stop, whatever. And then once Elliot does get to a point where he gets um, pushy enough where you have to step in, it's the same thing. We're yelling, we're pulling off, we're doing all the things, and it's not helpful. It's not assertive. It's just like throwing gas on a fire. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think like the more control, the more calm control that you have, the better because that's what the dogs need. Because right now it's like you guys are all roommates and nobody's really like if you like you know what I mean. Like if I were to say, okay, I want you to like ask your dogs to do, you have to just audit your your obedience with your dog is your communication. So w- what you can tell your dog to do and how they do it is your overall communication. That's why anybody that comes to my facility with a behavioral problem, no matter how big or wild and scary and dangerous it is, I have to audit the obedience. Why do I do that? It's because I want to know how well you can communicate with your dog first. Because if you have a problem, and I don't care if it's running away, killing other dogs, or jumping on people to lick their faces, Whatever your problem is, if you don't have good communication, we can't talk about solving the problem because you can't even talk to your dog. You have no communication. So with that being said, that's where you guys have to audit how well your obedience is because your obedience is a direct reflection of how well you can communicate with your dog. And of course, that communication during times of, I want you to stop. I want you to come here instead. I want you to lay in this bed instead. I want you to come over here and stop harassing Avery. If that doesn't exist at that level, A, I would start getting to that point where you can, you know, build up on that. And then B, you have to think about a game plan of like, okay, I can't off-leash recall Elliot in a highly stimulated situation so, you know, what are you going to do at that point? You know, and those are so when you're getting them together and you're starting to push them together with one another, those are things you have to think about. Okay. Sorry. My ring video. Cars keep driving by and setting off my ring. Um, that um, that does make perfect sense. And I do think maybe we would benefit from going to more obedience training um, with probably all three of them obviously nothing we could do all at once um do you have recommendations where we start do we start with elliot's obedience to or do we start with avery's obedience to try to build confidence if we were to like if i were to try to sign up for for classes um are is it something we start in the middle um do we start with Roz because she's easiest um we, you know, when they were puppies, we took Roz and Avery at the same time, and that was kind of a disaster. Well, and that was PetSmart, so please don't judge. Um, that was just a, you know, check checkbox with the rescue. But um, looking in terms of true, real, you know, I, I feel very comfortable um, with our what we've talked about. Um, so, yeah, I would like to pursue going into some sort of training with them, like obedience training, because I do feel like they take complete advantage of us. Um, and we allow it because we're easygoing and, you know, this is, this was our baseline before with Jack, Jack controlled the house. Now we lost Jack and we, you know, we have two dogs that were completely fine. Um, in the past we bring, you know, Elliot in the mix and now it's a big struggle again because there's, there's no one to really put anybody in line. Um, Cause we just um, lost one of our cats and my cat was like alpha cat in the right. house and he just, yeah would walk through yeah. the dogs like they didn't even exist. Yeah, like, totally walked. His, his, his shit didn't stink. He just walked, like, if 
even if a dog looked at him, Brody would be, and he was, Brody was, you know, seven, 18 years old. Mm. Um, so yeah, we did just lose him within the past couple of months. Um, and we've had, you know, we've had a, we had a, a big change in, in our household dynamics. You know, we started with seven, we have five of the seven, you know, from that we, we came here with or that we've had. Um, but the, the training in terms of doing an obedience training, and I do feel like we would benefit from that and not taking him, you know, we took him to puppy school at uh, Mohawk Hudson Humane Society. Um, and he did training there. We actually have an appointment on Sunday with their reactive dog trainer down there because we were desperate and just started signing up for everything. And then we found your thing and realized you did virtual. Um, so that's when, you know, I booked that time too. Um, but, you know, in terms of getting him into getting them into training to try to gain control of them back, suggest the approach. Well, I think because uh, we can't take all three of them at once. Yeah. Well, I, I would just say, like, think about, you know, what you were saying there about your cat and your other dog, like the confidence that came from those animals that settled your house is what. I would suggest you guys to really be focusing on because that's what you need. You need this very confident, I walk through walls and everyone gets out of my way when I walk type of mentality because that's what, and it doesn't matter if it's a cat, goldfish, dog, rooster, whatever, like you want all the animals in the house to go, well, I don't want to get in trouble because king shit's over there and I don't want to you know, I don't want to, you know, whatever. Right. So those are the types of things that you have to be like mindful of the big, wow. You know, see how that animal acts in the house and how everyone else just kind of minds their own business after like, those are the things that my, in, in my, you know, my suggestion, those are the things that you guys should be really trying to, to be like as well, trying to get to that point where the dogs are really respecting you. So, um, so yeah, so that that I mean that's what I would start. I mean you're you're already going to training, so that's where I would continue to go. Um, you just have to make sure that you know okay. in these types of situations that Elliot actually you know listens to you when you say stuff. Um, you just have to be careful, uh, you know what type of training you're doing because what you guys don't need to do is you don't need to like teach the dogs how to do tricks and stuff. You guys need to teach the dogs how to coexist with yeah. one another, and it's important for. Yeah it's important for both of you guys to, to put in the work to make sure that your dog listens to you and it means something and they respect you. Like when you say something out of your mouth, you want, you want it to go to your dog's ears and your dog goes, Oh, I'm, there's some, there's something going on here right now. And honestly, not, I would say eight times out of 10 dog owners don't have that relationship. They they have this dog and this dog loves them and they love each other and that's it that's where it ends it, it there's there's not a lot going on after that like if you get into a situation where you need to tell your dog to do something and they they don't do, I mean think of, that's that's your communication like that's same thing with kids like we're developing this is how we listen and then when you get to Disney World you say okay hold my hand and then the kid just sprints across four lanes of traffic it's like this is a problem. This is a big problem. And I'm using that example because it's high levels of obedience, right? There's a huge distraction. There's lots of uh, things going on. And then all of a sudden their mind goes, Whoo! and then when, you're, when your dog's mind goes, Whoo! where do you fit in? 
How much does your dog care when you say something? So you just have to make sure when you're going through training that those are the things that you're actually working on. You're not working. You want to develop. You guys want to develop heel and sit and place and down and stay. And that's part of it. And you're going to be using lots of positive reinforcement. You also should be using positive punishment, meaning you should also be holding your dog accountable if your dog does something wrong. And that's where you have to be mindful of what training camp you go to and, and, and what you're doing because that's where you're going to be wasting your um, – this, this is all I do is consult with dog owners all over the world, and I'll tell you right now, you will be wasting your very valuable time and potentially your money if you're only doing one side of training because then your dog's only going to listen to you under those circumstances and not anything else, and then you're going to be in the same boat or even worse. So you just have to be mindful of that. Do you have examples of um, positive reinforcement, mm-hmm. positive Absolutely. punishment? Yeah, so, so I'll tell you. So we had a, for an example, positive just means adding something to the equation, right? So dog owners like yourself, um, you would probably see some sort of marketing on like positive this. Whatever you see positive is kind of like a marketing gimmick. That's for dog owners to feel like, Oh, positive means like, you know, like I, 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 all the time I see on the walls of Benson's or PetSmart, like a positive experience, like positive is just kind of this keyword that dog trainers will use to get dog owners because who doesn't want a positive experience with their dog. But when we're training dogs, the reality is, is positive means you're adding something to the equation. That's all it means. Just like a math equation. Okay. I was just in um, Canada doing a tour, doing seminars and we were in Calgary and this uh, lady had a young lab and I'll give you a perfect example of what I'm talking about. So we were working, this lab was all over the place. This lab was, um, just so disconnected with mom. It wasn't even funny. Just like, hi, how are you? Hi, how are you? Who, who are you? Wait, who are you? Wait, I'm scared of you. Okay. Now I'm excited. <laughs> just all over the place. Literally just like a, like a complete, complete, like just out of control, like teenager on, on, uh, sugar, just out of control. So I said, let's, let's put uh, the dog's name was Ellie. And I said, let's put Ellie into a place. We put Ellie into a place. And then uh, Ellie's mom was standing there and, and Ellie got up. And so Ellie got off the place and mom said, no, 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 back up. Put the dog back up. Stay. Mom turned around. Ellie got back up. The dog got all the way off. We put the dog back. And I said, listen, um, the place looks good. But the problem is, is as soon as, and this is huge. This is, this is the best dog training I can give you about everything right now. (laughs) The problem here is, is the moment that your dog gets off the place and says, I'm done with this. The only thing that's happening under these circumstances is, is you're just asking the, telling the dog to go back. So that's like telling somebody after they robbed the bank to not do it again. I go, okay. Then they do it again. And then you keep saying, hey, don't do that next time. And then they do it again. Hey, don't do that next time, right? Or if you go 85 in a school zone that's 15 and the cop pulls you over and says, don't do that again. That's what's happening. I said, why don't you correct your dog when they start to get off? And this is a true story. We have it on video. We're going to put it on YouTube. It's absolutely brilliant. Amazing. So the dog starts to, the one paw comes up. The dog goes, I'm out of here. You're boring. I'm done. I know what you want me to do, but I'm out of here. So the dog starts walking off the place cot. The owner pops the leash. The dog looks at her, sits down, and I'm not joking you. The dog, the rest of the weekend, 
was the calmest, most obedient dog probably in the group. And I'm not exaggerating. There were probably 15 other dog trainers in the room that they said, if I were to see this on video, I would have 100% guessed that you swap dogs. That is a completely different dog. And I was this, I was blown away. But what happened was, is when you tell a dog to go do something, right? This is the politics of dog training right here. You tell a dog to go do something and then they do it. You say, good job. And then they're like, you know what? Screw you. I'm out of here. There's a squirrel over there. There's a person over there. And they get off. So the positive punishment, so we're, positive means what? We're adding something in. The punishment was the leash correction. I think she just had like a flat collar on or something. I don't. It doesn't matter what you have on. The tools are just secondary to you, right? That's what that is. That's what the tools are. You know, just like a, a contractor shows up to build a house. Like, please don't have one thing in your toolbox because we're not going to get anything done here because you need a bunch of different stuff. And how you use those tools, again, is predicated off. If, if, if there's a whole development being built by different people, everybody's going to be doing different shit with different tools, right? So that one correction we added when the dog decided to get off before the dog actually got off changed everything for them. Like tremendous change. So that's what I'm saying is sometimes you'll get into certain situations and, 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 and again, I'm consulting. I want to save you guys time and money is you go to a training camp that doesn't believe in that punishment. They don't believe that the dog should ever be told no. They don't believe that punishment should be used. They think that the dog should just learn how to make that decision over time. And what ends up happening is, is you, be, you get a really obedient dog when food's present and that's it. And I, and that, that's not that, that is something I've seen thousands of times and have documented it. So that's what I'm saying is whenever you go out and you train with different people, I do not want you to guys waste your time and money by, you know, just being scammed essentially. Mm -hmm. So just be mindful of that, that, that punishment has to be there because if not, then, I mean, if you, if we believe in positive reinforcement, then it's unethical to not believe in positive punishment because positive reinforcement for the things that we want is tremendously valuable. And it's the same exact thing for the punishment game. So, mm -hmm. so just remember that. And, and I'm saying that because what happens is, is you'll go to, and I, I have no idea who you're going to or what you're doing. So this has nothing to do with an individual. I just don't want you to get into a situation where you're six months into a training camp and you're not seeing results. And you have to ask yourself after the first two sessions, if you're not seeing results after one session, you have to really look to see like, what are we doing to correct the unwanted behavior? Does it make sense or not? Just be mindful of that. Will do. Will do. I mean, I, I appreciate everything, <laughs> everything you've you've given us and all the tools you've you've you're sending us away with right now. Yeah. Um, very valuable. And I think you can get um, into that. You can get into that like as soon as today, if you wanted to, with 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 Elliot. Is um, I, I mean, for for homework, that's those are the things I'd be. I get a treat pouch. I'd get a bed, and I'd be working individually. I'd be working with Elliot. I'd be I'd be working with all the dogs. And I'd be working on the place. I'd be working on the downstay because, again, if you have Elliot and Avery out together, and if they start, if Elliot starts picking on Avery, I, it's like, what do you want? What do you want to happen? Well, I don't want, I don't want them chasing each other around and picking on each other, or I don't want Elliot p picking on Avery. Okay, 
then what do you want your dog to do? It's like, well, so that question, I, I don't, you don't need to answer. It's kind of like a rhetorical question. It's like, anytime I say that, what do you want your dog to do? Like, this is common where dogs bark at the door. My dog barks at everybody coming in. I'm like, what do you want your dog to do? Well, not bark. I'm like, okay, what does that include? Like being silent, going to lay down? Like, what do you want him to do? So these are situations, again, where you'd have to have like a good recall. You'd have to have a good place. You'd have to have a good stay. So it's just like kids, like, I, I want you to go, you're too much. Go in the corner. Go, go, go over there for 10 minutes and sit on your hands, like relax, right? So if you don't have that countering communication and countering obedience with Elliot, then you're not going to be able to be successful. And by when you say place, you mean go to a certain spot and stay there. Yes. Under those circumstances, like, right? So that's okay. high levels of obedience. That's off leash with other dogs around. Okay. That's like what you did with touch on one of your videos where you threw the mat down and you said touch and the dog went and sat on the, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to think of like what we can use in terms we can use too. Yeah. So that's um, it. So those are the, be- them. those are the behaviors. Like I want you to okay. go to, I want you to go to your mark right there and stay there because here, listen, if okay. let's say if your recall and your touch stay command was three out of three, you wouldn't be having any issues with Elliot. You're not going to be able to change the way that Elliot feels about Avery or the way that Avery feels about Elliot immediately or even maybe at some point ever, right? But if you can control your dog, that's what matters, right? You bring, so you bring, like, you bring it, like, I have a 10 month old child now myself. And so we're, you, bring a, you bring a bunch of toddlers over and none of them listen. It's going to be a nightmare. They're going to be pulling off. They're going to, I mean, just think about it. It's just a nightmare. They're going to be chewing on remotes and pulling (laughs) ovens off the floor, right? So you have to have control. And if you don't have control with your obedience, then you're going up a a one-way street and it's not, it's not going to be fun. It's not because it's like, you know, that's the thing is like, if I came to your house right now and you said, Elliot's picking on Avery to a point where we don't want it to get dangerous, but we think it might. Okay. Call Elliot over to you. Elliot, come. Elliot, come. Elliot, Come, Elliot, come. Hold on, let me get treats. Elliot, come. Come here. Nope, it's all bullshit. It's terrible. So that's what I'm saying is like, if you can't, Elliot, here. Sit. Boop. Stay. Done. Now it doesn't matter how Elliot feels about Avery because you controlled the situation. And if you don't have that control, there's, there's, you know, other than getting Elliot to not pick on Avery because Avery is a submissive, insecure dog, which is always going to be there, right? That's likely going to, that's their dynamic, right? But you have to step in and advocate and be that parent that's like, Elliot, come here. But if you don't have that control, that's your responsibility, right? That has nothing to do with Elliot picking on Avery. That's you, don't take this to heart, but that's you failing Avery because you can't control Elliot, and that's what we we have realized that, you know, we failed all of them because we we know we need to do better with the obedience part of making being able to control situations and control them. Like you said, by one time, we, we shouldn't have to call them 15 times. Um, right. Well, it just so, goes it just goes to show with your relationship, too. Right. Like it's, it's just mm-hmm. like, come, 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 come. Da, 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 mm-hmm. da. They're like, yeah, hold on one sec. I got to pick on this person. Oh, yeah. Hold on one sec. I got to take a chunk out of this person. That's a problem. Like whenever you have, and that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's it, right? That's yeah. why a lot of, uh, that's why a lot of friendly dogs pull.
pull their owners. Like I watch time and time again, and I travel a lot, friendly dogs dragging people down cities and down roads and down cul-de-sacs and because nobody cares. They're like, oh, if they're, they're going to pull towards you and kiss your face. But, you know, people don't start caring about their dog training until their dog, you know, changes. So anyway. That's that's what you right. that's what you really need to focus on is like, again if if you said hey Tom, y- yep come over to our house and I you said yep Elliot's picking on Avery or whatever the case is I say okay I see Elliot picking on Avery why don't you call Elliot over and then it takes you I said no 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 you can't move you can't move I want you to call Elliot over Elliot Elliot and then Elliot's sitting there like you know pouncing on Avery and Avery's sitting there like rolled up to a corner. And that's why you guys have. No, that's why you guys are getting into the situation and kind of like making it stressful and screaming and like you want control over yeah. everything. So that's what I'd be focusing on is getting back down to the basics. Um, and I can tell you, like for uh, like if if you're getting into the training, great. Go through with it. See how it works for you guys. One thing that's been really helpful um, as far as resources is my Kickstarter course, which is essentially like everything that I think puppies by 15 weeks should be doing. And it's also a course that all of my behavioral clients that have Mm -hmm. behavioral problems don't have the things that are in that course. So uh, we work on the place. The so it's the it's the very basics. Yeah, it's the very basics. And you call it the Kickstarter. Yeah, it's called the Kickstarter course. It's 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 on my website, um, and that would okay. be yeah, that would be okay. yeah. So yeah, that's okay. a good place to start, and you can just go to tomdaviscourses.com to find the Kickstarter course. But like essentially, when people come in or whatever, and we're starting to do this with our clients at the facility, is we're having pre-rec mm-hmm. where they have to take something before they come in because um, it's just like the same thing over and over again for my trainers, and I don't want them to burn out. So we're gonna work uh, as FedEx drops off Chewies. Well, this is this is a perfect example, though. Like Elliot's like, yeah, right. This is it. This that's it. That's it. And that's yeah. that's why it's like beautiful for me to do these consulting because everyone's like, I have a problem with my dog. I'm like, no, you don't. You have a problem with your relationship with your <laughs> dog, right? So yeah, it's like a perfect example. Elliot's like, there's a strange man or woman out front. We must protect the house. And you're like, Elliot, come here. You're good. He's like, don't talk to me. I'm busy, right? And that's it. He's going to do the same yeah. thing with Avery. Come, 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 come. And that just, it tells you just so, it just speaks volumes with like the responsiveness and the respect and the discipline that you mm-hmm. have with your dogs. Cause they're like, don't talk to me. I'm busy protecting the house. Right. It's the same thing. Elliot's like, I gotta, I gotta pin Avery three or four times, you know? And you're like, no, come. And he's nope. Yeah. Perfect. So that's what you need to work on. So again, like I, I you could say, Tom, I have this one problem. You know, I, I, you're you're the, you're an expert. You need to fix this. Well, you you could whip out two million dollars in cash right now, and there's nothing that you could do to help me fix that because you don't have the you don't have the control. Like I could come yeah. over to your house and, and that- have everybody coexisting really easily, but it it doesn't matter what I can do. Yeah, All right. I appreciate everything you have opened my eyes to. Um, 
And I think you've you've definitely answered all of our questions. We know where to start now. I'm going to go on the website as soon as we end the call. Cool. Um, and and look at what you have. Uh, as far as the training that this weekend, it's just one session with you know the Humane Society because I was looking for anybody that could get me in, and it's a private session. Yeah. You know, uh, I'll well you know I'll I'll decide based on on your recommendations, but I do want to pursue camp like training courses with yeah. them to, for me for yeah. me for jane like we need it so yeah have, i do appreciate yeah have fun with it uh the other recommendation i would give you alternatively that's a an inexpensive thing is my my members club which um gives you access to like all of my unreleased footage so any footage that you see on youtube or like 10 15 minute videos <laughs> those full sessions hour plus are on the members club and if you sign up for the all access, it's thirty nine ninety nine a month, but you get access to my trainers as well. So you can gotcha. take my courses, watch the uh, dog training library that we have in there, the vault of years of footage, and then you can act, mm-hmm. you can consult with my. Tra- they're my, they're not like a third party. I hired somebody. They're my actual trainers at my facility. So you know we charge hundreds of dollars an hour for consulting as you know so if you did the members yeah. club too i'm just again just trying to like economically if you're trying to like it's nice to sit yeah. there and kind of do it yourself right you guys are that's how i am i'm very like I, I just i'll watch a bunch of youtube videos and i'll try to do it myself so that's the other thing you could do is you can consult with my trainers every day on there as well and i'm telling you it's an absolute steal for what we charge for training because <laughs> you can just sit there that's and, like 39 dollars a month you said yeah it's, all access yeah oh shit yeah, yeah. yeah exactly it's 39.99 and you get all of my unreleased footage like and they're usually categorized from like leash reactivity or recall or whatever and then also you have the mm-hmm. reinforcements from my staff like you go in it's and you can just say like hey it's called the pro team they're they're my trainers at my upstate canon academy down the road mm-hmm. so you could just go in there mm-hmm. and be like hey i'm starting this what do you think of this and they'll consult with you and you could you use it all month it's a it's a great thing you know i suggest it so uh, yeah i'll look into that definitely okay. good to know all right all right you guys well, good uh, luck with everything oh so very much <laughs> you're welcome good luck all right thank you you all take right. care all right bye, bye. bye now All right, you guys, the end of the podcast is here, which means three questions. First one comes from Marley Powell. Hey, Tom, thank you so much for everything you do. The world is so lucky to have something like you spreading your knowledge. I just have one odd question that I'm curious to hear your input on. Not related to training. My my Malinois favorite down time activity is sucking on pillows. This is not an issue, but I I actually find it kind of funny. I'm wondering if you've ever seen or heard of this. Um, Again, thanks for all you do. Uh, Thank you, Marley. Uh, Yeah, it... I've heard of it. It kind of is like a pacifier type thing. Um, I haven't really thought about it too much, but yeah, I've seen dogs do this with toys and blankets and things. And they just kind of, it's kind of like a pacifier thing for them. It makes them feel comfortable. So if it's not causing any problems or anything, then so be it. Let it be. I'm, I'm really big on doing whatever works. And if nothing's happening from it, I would just let it keep going. All right. Thank you. Next one comes from Tony Fam one two three. Hey Tom, love your content. I want to start off by saying I love your stuff. First question is: Is your Kickstarter course different from your free tutorials on YouTube? Absolutely. Talked about it in this podcast. The Kickstarter course is the ultimate foundational course every dog owner needs to learn to 
eliminate unwanted behaviors, but also get off on the right feet. Uh, YouTube videos are just training videos of me working with pre-existing clients. So that's that. Um, got a Bernese Mountain Dog Roddy mix named Autumn. She's about 12 weeks now and I have a different pity mix. Um, should I train them separately? Yeah, you want to train them separately and then blend them in at the same time. Um, so yeah, the Kickstarter course was originally a puppy course, but then I realized all of the things that we worked on in the Kickstarter course were actually the things that behavioral problem clients don't have. So that's why we call it a Kickstarter course. So if you're having behavioral problems, kickstart with that. If you've got a new puppy, kickstart with that. And that's, uh, how I would do it. Next one comes from Muddy197777. Great stuff for all trainers. Every week I look forward to each episode. Thank you for putting so much time to create these week after week. I may have given my rescue back to the shelter. If not, I may have given my rescue back to the shelter. If not, this kind of, this kind and clear guidance. My pit bull mix is a year and a half years old and I've had her for six months. She's a really good girl with obedience and attention with me, but she's dog reactive on leash. I've always suspected it's excitement and that aggression. We have a neighbor with a German shepherd puppy. Today they met and did play bows and circling on the leash. We put them in a fence to see how they would play together and they had a blast, but it's a very high energy rambunctious play. Lots of chasing, wrestling, and almost boxing. They both were exhausted very quickly. I wonder if letting her play with this is good or bad. Yeah, it's great. Um, I think obedience is going to be more of your goal. So like she wants to go, we're talking about this in my dog reactivity course that's coming out soon, but um, dogs can get reactive if they're excited, mad, anxious, nervous, aggressive. So it just sounds like um, you're, you have to, it's just like going to the park, right? You're walking to the park and your dog starts to get excited because they know that that park means something that they love. So if they see other dogs and they want to play, it's the same thing. And that's where your obedience comes into play more than anything. So, um, yeah, I would definitely let that energy burn and let your dog, uh, play and have fun. Um, sounds like, you know, it's a puppy that needs that stuff and it's good confidence too. Sounds like your dog is trying to figure life out and, I think you're doing a good job at that. All right, you guys. Uh, If you want me to answer your dog training questions, head over to the iTunes review chart and I'll answer it next episode. We have some guests coming on soon. I apologize that we haven't had any recently. It's just been really uh, hectic, um, as you can tell in our vlogs and our YouTube videos. But anyway, I'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online master's of social work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.